Good morning. I'm going to just open with a prayer before I speak. So, Father God, we just thank you, God. You are so amazing today. and God, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. And, Father God, today as we just uh, take some time to come before your word and, and be ministered to, Lord, we just believe we receive the help of your Holy Spirit to just open our hearts and open our understanding. Well, we open our hearts, but, Lord, we trust you to bring the understanding and the ability to comprehend, Lord, what you are sharing with us today. And, God, we just give you all the praise and the glory for that. Lord, we just thank you, God, for your amazing love. For your amazing love. Lord, we just thank you, Father God. Where would we be without your love? And so, Father God, we just thank you, Lord, as, as the Apostle Paul says, we are not without your love. And so, God, we just thank you for that today. We give you all the praise and the glory for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um going to just share, uh, this actually is not, you know, uh, over the course of the last summer or so, or maybe even longer than that, I've been speaking a series of messages about the Israelites coming into the promised land and with Joshua and different ones. And whenever I went to go, it's like, okay, Lord, what's next? You know, because, you know, you just take one little tiny step at a time. And I I felt that there was a different direction to go. And so we're going to actually start something new. Um, So the topic or the subject that we'll be dealing with today is what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. And just taking an example from Scripture of a situation and and, and just walking through it. So let's just begin our journey today. Have you ever had a situation where you didn't know what to do or what your next step should be? And um, maybe this is where you are today. Maybe this is where you are today. And uh, the Lord knows. So, moving on. So, the text I'd like to use today is from 1 Samuel, chapter 30. Uh, I I, I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament, but it always seems like I always minister from the Old Testament. But um, there's just such, such an amazing richness there. 1 Samuel, chapter 30, starting with verse 1. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and had burned it with fire. We'll just stop right there for a second. Just to set the stage for a little bit, um, this is a period of time where David's in the wilderness. King Saul has already, at the time, if you're not familiar with the story, the king of Israel is King Saul. David has been told that he will one day be king, but he's not king yet. And he's out in the wilderness, and during this season, he's been driven out of Israel. So he's not even in Israel. He's, he's staying in a different country, next door neighbors. And, you know, he just, he's there. And the, but the place where they are staying, his home base, is this place called Ziklag. Okay. So, let's look at this verse again. So, this is David's home base we're talking about. Uh, When David, and it happened, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites uh, had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. Okay, so they, they had destroyed David's home base. And they took captive the women and all 
who are in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went on their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. What to do when you don't know what to do? Okay, so this is his situation. His home base has been destroyed. There's nothing left. I, the only reason I can even picture this so well right now is because if you've been watching the news, there's the fires and there's been fires all over. They've had fires in Montana. And that, but, you know, I've got friends that are affected by the fires in California, so I've been following the news stories. And I can't imagine coming back and just having ashes. And that's what they came back to. There was nothing but ashes. Tatum, can you see why the Lord gave you that song this morning? I love when the Lord does that. Uh, it's God setting things up. God setting things up. All right. Okay, so they've come to this place, and there's nothing left. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices, and they wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now, we're not talking about a bunch of sissies. These are giant killers that we are reading about that are weeping till they have no more strength to weep. They are warriors. They are fighters. They are not wimps. Okay, so don't picture, you know, me being there. And, you know, I cry easy. I cry at movies. I cry at Hallmark movies. I cry sometimes at Callan's cartoons. I'll be crying, you know. So for me, it's not hard to get me to cry. But that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about people who are hardened fighters, hardened fighters. They will go into battle, and they are fighting. These are strong, burly men, giant killers. And yet, they are so brokenhearted over this situation, they cried until they had no more strength to cry anymore. Now, David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow, widow excuse me, of Nabal the Carmelite. Again, you can read about that in the rest of First Samuel where he found those wives. And Anyway, so his wives are taken. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. All right. David's day didn't start out great, okay? Like it said, they were coming back. They had no idea this had happened. They first come back to find out that everything's gone. It's only ashes. And the next thing that happens is all the people that were for him the, next, the day before are wanting to stone him because they're brokenhearted. They were embittered, each one, because of his sons and his daughters. David was greatly distressed because the people were speaking of stoning him. And again, if you don't know what that means, that means that they were going to pick up rocks and they were going to throw them at him until he fell down dead. Okay? That is what that term is. It was an a, a old-fashioned way of the death, death penalty. Okay? And this is the same verse continued. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. 
what to do when you don't know what to do. Again, David's situation is extreme. He's lost everything. His wives are gone. His children are gone. His home base is gone. Everything's gone. Even the people that were for him the day before are wanting to kill him. So their support is gone. And yet, David, in the midst of this situation, turns somewhere. He turns to the Lord. David strengthened himself and the Lord his God. So, and again, this is our topic is what to do when you don't know what to do. And this is a good first step. A good first step. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. We're going to talk about what that can look like in just a little bit. But let's look first at what we see David not doing. All right. Okay. What do we do when we have bad days? You don't see David blaming God. God, why did you let this happen? I'm the one you've chosen to be king. How could this happen to me? You don't see him blaming anyone else. How often when bad thing happens, bad things happen. And then again, this is just a humorous little funny, but if you know your Bible, you know one of the first stories in the Bible has a little bit of blaming going on. And Adam says to God, it's that woman you gave me. And how often do husbands use that with their... (laughs) Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Okay, no stones in here, I hope. (laughs) But uh, often when bad things begin to happen, we begin to turn and look. You know, we look for a reason. We look for a why. And sometimes we begin to blame it either on God. We try to blame it on other people. Here's something else we do not see David doing. And this one I thought was interesting. This one I thought was very interesting. We don't see him running to people. That's a, that's a Selah moment. That's ponder and think about that. He didn't run to someone trying to figure out who would be able to help him most in this situation. This is a real big aha moment, if you want to, for me anyway. Because I'm just thinking, what if I were David? He had just left some armies. And I mean, I mean, if you go back into First Samuel 29, you'll see that he had kings that were friends. Okay? He had kings who were his friends, who he could have gone to and gone for some backup and gone for support and said, I know people who can deal with this situation, who've got a whole army at my disposal. I can ask them to come and help. But we don't see David doing that. And for me, whenever I was studying to prepare this, it was like, wow. What do I do when I have a question? Google it. And then if I can't find the answer, if the answer is confusing, then it's like, okay, Lord, I guess I'll pray. Ouch. Just being real. Okay. We in our world, we sometimes have a lot of things we can run to. But God is there. And in this situation, we see David running to the Lord, strengthening himself in the Lord. You can go ahead to the next slide. So, 
what does strengthening yourself in God look like? And again, it's doing whatever you personally need to do to get into God's presence and position yourself to hear from him about your situation. I know that's kind of a big mouthful. Oh, no, stay there. It's whatever you personally need to do to get into God's presence, positioning yourself to hear from him about your situation. And for you, that may look different than what it looks like for me. For some people, that's why we go to church. It's like, God, I need to hear from you. And they know that in this atmosphere, in a service like we had this morning, in those times of worship, oh, God, I hear you. For somebody else, it might be in their own home, just on their face before the Lord. For me personally, it may be a combination of all of those, but I love to go. This is my Bible this morning. I should have brought a a real paper one, but I go to the Word. I go to the Word. And I spend time in the Word. Sometimes I'll listen to messages. I'll listen to other preaching. Um, whatever I can find. And, and the thing that I have found over the years, and the years of experience of being in the situation, because this happens to me a lot where I'm in situations where I don't know what to do. I will find that as I position myself, and sometimes it may be listening to somebody else preaching, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in, I'm in that place. It's like, Lord, I need somebody to minister to me. Okay? Well, well, you're a pastor. Yeah. That may be. I may have that title. I may wear that. But there are times where I need somebody to speak. I need that music. You know? Yes, I lead worship sometimes. But sometimes I'm going to put that music on and just allow it to minister to me. And the anointing on whoever it is that's either delivering that word or ministering through music to minister to me and open, you know, get to allow me to get to that place to begin to hear. So it's going to look different. And hopefully you've already found that place that works for you. But if you haven't, just some ideas, just some ideas that you might be able to take away this morning. One thing I do want to say is that when you're looking for this place, there's one thing that needs to be absent from that place, and that's fear. Fear. And so part of what you're doing is to getting so far into the presence of the Lord, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So it's whatever you need to do to get to that place where the love of God is so there that every bit of fear you may have about that situation goes. Because it's, and again, I speak from experience, it is really hard to hear from the Lord when my heart is full of fear. Because the fear can be really, really loud. What are you going to do, David? Everything's gone. By the time you get there, they're all going to be dead. Or whatever the personal situation may be for me. That fear is just in our ears. Sometimes, hopefully not in our hearts, but it can seem like it's getting down in there. But get to the point where you can get before the Lord to where that begins to quiet down and move away to where you can hear from him. All right. What to do when you don't know what to do? 
All right. So David first strengthens himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? That's his question to God. And God, he, capital he, said to him, pursue, for you will surely overtake them and you will rescue all. Again, the whole point of of strengthening yourself in the Lord is getting yourself to a position where you can hear from heaven. You know, it doesn't matter what your situation is this morning, this morning or what my situation is or what David's situation was. God has an answer. God has an answer. Google may not have an answer. The person sitting next to us may not have an answer. Even our pastoral staff may not have an answer. That happens. But God knows what we need to do in any situation we may be facing. So here's the second thing to do when you don't know what to do is ask the Lord. First, position yourself where you're going to even just be able to hear from him. But then the next thing is to inquire of the Lord. It's an Old Testament speech, but I, I, love, I love that. So sorry. But it, all it means is ask God. But in order to be able to hear effectively, you've got to first get to that place where that fear's quieted down, move, to, move it away and set it aside to where you'll be able to hear from him like David did. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. And then when you inquire of the Lord, he's going to give you some instruction. And that's what um, God told David. Go ahead. Pursue. Not enough can be said about God's desire to help you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. God wants to help you. No matter what your situation is, he is so ready to help you. He is so ready. He was ready before you had the problem. And he's more than ready now that you have the problem. He, he has even assigned, given us, Holy Spirit to be our helper. It's like he has done everything he can do. It's just up to us to be willing to humble ourselves, go before him, and say, God, what should I do in this situation? I just don't know what to do. But if we ask, he'll answer. Go ahead. So in, so in review, step one, strengthen yourself in God. Run to him. Position yourself to hear from him. Step two, inquire of the Lord. Ask for his help. Then do whatever he says to do. That's a whole message in itself. Do whatever he says to do. The Bible that we tote around with us and we carry around with us, all those heroes of the faith, this morning in Sunday school we were talking about Noah. All Noah did was do what God told him to do. You can go through Moses, one person after another after another, the heroes of the faith, everybody from the Old Testament, the New Testament. What made them stand out? What made them great? All they did was what God told them to do. 
God, of course, had to give him some strength and some power along the way, but it was their obedience. So do whatever he says to do, even if it sounds silly or it looks ridiculous. Go ahead. So David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and he came to the brook Bazor where those left behind remain. But David pursued he and 400 men. For 200 were too exhausted to cross the brook brook Bazor, and they remained behind. Go ahead. Now they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he ate, and they provided him water to drink. They gave him a piece of fig cake and two clusters of raisins. He ate that. Uh, Then his spirits revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three, three days and three nights. David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. When I fell sick three days ago, we made a raid on the Negev of the Cherethites and on that which belongs to Judah and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. Now, we're not going to take the time to go back through, but, but remember the first verse we started with? And again, I've, I've been poring over these, so it's easier for me to remember because I've, you know, I've been looking at it more. Three days was also in the very first verse when it said on the third day they got to Ziklag. How how many days was it this guy has been sick? Three days. Okay, God was setting up the answer for David before he even knew he needed it. God is setting up your answer. Let me not put it that way. God has set up your answer before you even know you need it. Don't we serve a wonderful God? He is so amazing. Anyway, go on. Then David said to him, will you bring me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring you down to this band. I I like this verse because it just shows the honesty of that Egyptian. We were just even mentioning that in Sunday Sunday school this morning about how it's a rough and tumble time. And how did the Egyptian know that David wasn't going to just turn him over to the thing, you know? But so he's like, he's concerned. He's like, okay, I'll help you, but you got to swear to me. You're not going to give me back to my old master. He wasn't a very nice guy. Go ahead. So now this was one that when we ask God for help, sometimes the answer doesn't come in a way that we expect. So stop and think about it. Here's David. He didn't even know that he needed help finding this band. And yet God positioned this person, situated him there, waiting for him in the desert, in David's path. Made him, I'm not saying God made him sick, but he was too weak to go anywhere, run off or move away. Probably had a help of an angel or two to keep him in that spot so that when David found him, he was ready for that sustenance, for David to minister to him and give him some food, give him some water, give him some raisins. Okay? But the help may not come in a way that you expect. 
Oral Roberts, uh, in regardless of what you may think about him, he had some interesting statements. And one of them he said is that miracles are coming towards you and they can pass by you. And his point was, is that if we have set in our mind what we think it's going to look like, we can miss what God's trying to do to help us. There's that old joke about, I can't remember if it was a preacher that was on the top of the roof and he's praying for God to come deliver him and then the guy comes with the helicopter and the guy comes with the boat and, and no, I'm waiting for God to get me, you know, and it's like God's sending the helicopter, he's sending the boat, you know. We have to be willing to be open to however God might want to speak to us. And again, as we all get better at this, sometimes it is in very unusual ways, in ways that we don't expect. But the thing was, David paid attention. When he saw this person, something must have quickened him or something that he knew. He could have just passed him on by. He's got his whole army of 600. He, what does he need with a dead, you know, a almost dead per sick person? He could have just gone right on by. He's got a mission. After all, he's trying to rescue his wives and his children. Okay? He's got a urgency and a desperation to get there and get his family back. And he's got 600 people that are counting on him to lead him to the right place. Why, David, are you stopping to take this time for this sick person that's out in the middle of the desert? Just leave him. But he didn't. He didn't. And Lord, give us the grace not to walk by the answer when you send it. I, I, I'm just going to share a quick little example of, and again, this isn't exactly relate to whatever we're studying, but uh, one time I was in California. I was working at a Boys and Girls Club, and I, I, I can't remember at the time if I was working part-time or not part-time. I apologize for not maybe having all the details perfectly remembered. But I didn't make much money. That part I do remember. So whether I worked full-time or part-time, I may not remember exactly when all this happened, but I do remember I didn't make much money. And I started to hear that God wanted us to be blessed and want, God wanted us to be prosperous. And here I am with, you know, again, not making very much money. So I started to pray. And I started to pray and say, okay, God, you know, God, I've seen your, you know, you're seeing in your word. I hear these pe preachers preaching about it. Lord, I want to I find out, you know, what's going on? I tithe, I give, what's going on? And um, as I prayed, the Lord began, well, actually, again, I told you that when I, when I go to the Lord, I usually go in the word. And I start to read and I start to study. And I was studying in Romans one day. And again, it didn't come right away. It took time. But eventually I found this scripture and it said, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Okay. Now, when I came across that scripture, I instantly, the Lord also quickened a situation and I saw myself. I saw myself at work. Now, the Boys and Girls Club is a nonprofit. If you're not familiar with it, you know, they don't have them, you know, here in our local area. But it was a nonprofit. And they had a, 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 a fundraising auction once a year, a big fundraising auction. And But people donated throughout the years. You know, throughout the year, they'd bring donations. And so all of that stuff got stored in the attic 
of this old building that we were in. And one day, I saw that they had three keyboards. One, two, three. So I took the oldest one, the shabbiest one, because that was what the, the staff around me were in the habit of doing. When donations came in, they picked through to find, you know. Except, you know, I mean, the sailboats and the cars, they didn't try to do that kind of stuff. But other stuff, it was kind of like, you've, have you ever heard the term up for grabs? Up for grabs. It was just up for grabs. And so being in that environment, I was like, well, I need a keyboard. I need it to practice worship. And I was just so proud of myself taking it to go practice worship. One girl was on the guitar, and I've got my new keyboard. And I'm practicing, and we're worshiping. Oh, we worship you. And I'm playing away. And, and so that, you know, I didn't have it that long ago before the Lord showed me this scripture. And he showed me that keyboard. And then he questioned me. Would the person who gave you that keyboard look at that as being something honest? Because they didn't give it to me. They gave it to the kids or to benefit the kids. And when I took it out of that attic and I started to use it for my own personal use, even though it was to worship the Lord, Lord, we worship you. It wasn't honest in the sight of all men. And so, remember what was my original question? Lord, why aren't I walking in the blessing? The answer didn't come in a way I was expecting. I was expecting him to say, I will deal with your boss, and they will give you a raise, and, you know, whatever, you know. Can't be my fault, but the answer came in a way I wasn't expecting. I didn't even know they were connected. So not only did I return the keyboard, I put it in the room. You know, it's like, well, it's not doing anybody any good upstairs. I had the art room, and so there was plenty of counter space. So I, I set it up so that kids could do music, you know, right there. Sometimes I regret it. <laughs> if you've ever had kids on a keyboard. <laughs> but but it, at least it was going to be used for what it was really used. And I went through my house and I said, Lord, help me remember if there's anything else that I've snuck home just thinking that it was extra. Nobody's going to miss it. It's terrible for a pastor to have to stand up and confess these things. <laughs> it's like, Lord, please, isn't there another story I can use? Oh, well, it was a long time ago. And the Lord forgave me. I do want you to know. All right. Okay. So, but again, the answer came in a way I wasn't expecting at all. It was, you know, but again, you just need to be open. And when that answer comes, be obedient to it. I don't know if I would be here today if I had not returned that keyboard. Those things, those steps, we do not know. The, the, the impact our places of obedience or disobedience may have on what God has for us. We don't know. We don't see it from our side. God loves us. He wants to do all he can for us, but we also have to be obedient. All right. So help may come in, in a way that we're not expecting. All right. So when, when now this is the Egyptian. When the Egyptian brought them down, 
Behold, they were spread all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. That's a lot of people, okay? David and his army had 600 men. They're all working at killing people for 24 hours. Uh, that's, that's a big slaughter. Until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who ro- rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Go ahead. But nothing of theirs was myth- missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that they had taken for themselves, David brought it all back. And if you remember the words that God spoke to him, pursue, you shall surely recover all. God keeps his promises. God keeps his word. They brought it all back. Um, Now, again, when I was studying this, I've, I've heard this preached on, you know, by others and you know but one thing that that i began to see is that i just focused so much on recovering all getting his wives back whatever that i didn't really notice until it was just going through uh you know studying and then i think i can't remember if it was studying or some other time but i began to see something else but if you keep reading and again we're going to stop there for this morning but they didn't just recover all that they had lost they didn't just recover all that they had lost. They also recovered so much abundance that David was able to divide it up and send it as gifts to all the communities in Judah that had helped them in the past. And if you read through the first part, and they list the whole, all the different communities, he sent a gift to this community and a gift to this community and a gift to that community. And we're not talking about just one or two cows, you know. He's sending an abundance of stuff to each community. And and when you stop to think about that, that's a staggering amount of wealth to just, you know. But what did David do with it? He didn't keep it for himself. (laughs) Can you begin to see why David's a man after God's own heart? And, um, yeah. So it's pretty amazing. But, and again, you could argue that, oh, well, he just, you know, he was trying to gain favor with the, the people that had helped him. And, and you can look at it however you want. The point I want to make today is what an abundance. Not only did they recover all, they recovered so much they could give it to it, you know, whether it was eight communities, ten communities, a dozen communities. Now, it's going to take a little bit of a gift. Now, if somebody gave one cow to Woodward, do you think it's going to make the paper? No. Okay. So, because Woodward's a big town, and so it's going to have to be a big gift to impact these communities. And granted, they may have only been, you know, two or three hundred people, but it's going to be a big enough gift for the whole community. They may have cut it up and feasted it or whatever they're going to do with it. I don't know. It doesn't say. But, so this isn't just small gifts, you know. I'll send you a postcard. It was a big gift. And so that's just the kind of abundance. So God not only set up David to recover all, but he set him up to be a blessing. And you can see that, you know, in the life of Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. You see that all through scriptures. All right. So going back over, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Again, strengthen yourself in the Lord. 
run to God, position yourself to hear from him, inquire of the Lord, ask for his help. And then when he says, and when you hear from him, do whatever it is he says to do, even if it's ridiculous. You know, I've taught here how God told Moses to strike his rod on 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 the sea. Okay? I go fishing at Crystal Beach a lot. We've dropped rods in the Red Sea or in our on Crystal Beach Lake there trying to fish and never once has the waters parted. Okay? It's ridiculous to tell yourself, you know, so God's going to tell you some things that are going to sound really ridiculous, but his power will make the difference in whatever it is he's told you to do. Follow his directions. Pay attention. Pay attention. And this is again This is where we can't let ourselves become so distracted by whatever that original problem is that we are are not, you know, we're so focused on that that we're, we're missing what God's trying to send to us. Help may come in a way we're not expecting. Thank you, Lord. Just another verse from the New Testament. If any of you lacks or needs wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, without finding fault or pointing out fault. And it will be given to him. You know, in other words, God's not going to say when we come to him and ask, God, I really need help with this situation. He's not going to come back and, and, you know, well, it's just your own fault, you know. He's not that way. He loves us. He loved me enough to point out with that keyboard that I was breaking, you know, one of the commandments. <laughs> and so, it's his love. It's his love. He cares for each one of us so much. And he is so ready and willing to help. And best of all, he's able. He's able. No matter how impossible. That was, a, again, it's just amazing how God orchestrates the service. What did we just sing? Uh, they, they played the music from the sound booth. It's not impossible. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Just stand. We'll close. So, Father God, I just thank you today. God, you are so amazing. I think, Father God, what, what just impresses me so much is your, your love for us being so great, Lord, that you wove the message of the scripture through so much of the service, Lord. As we sing out of the ashes, as we, as, as we just, you know, from the sound booth, nothing's impossible. And so, Father God, today, you really want that message to get across today. And Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you have amazing destinies, amazing calls, amazing assignments for each one of us today. And Father God, whatever place we may find ourselves, whether we're necessarily at a place where we don't know what to do, or Father God, maybe this is something that we'll just tuck away and we'll use it in the future. But Lord, I thank you, God, that you have so much more. So much more for each one of us, Lord. And so, Father God, we just believe we receive today, Lord, that that for anyone that was seeking you, and was at this place of not knowing what to do, Lord, we just believe we receive that, Father God, your wisdom, your revelation will begin to flow. 
Father God, I just believe and receive, Father, that, that you will open their eyes, Lord. And, and maybe you've already tried, been trying to get the answer. And, Father, we haven't had our ears opened or our eyes opened and our hearts opened to see. Lord, I just believe and receive in your grace and your mercy that you will open those eyes, those hearts, and those ears to hear. And, Father, that as you answer, Lord, that they'll pick out those steps and, and they'll just keep moving in the direction that you're leading them to go. Father God, that they can step into that place, that we all can step into that place, Father, of abundance that you have for each one of us, Lord. God, we just give you all the praise and the glory for this today. Lord, I bless your people today. Lord, you love them so much. And God, I just ask, Father, that each one will just walk away today with a greater understanding of how great your love is. And, and Father, your desire to bless, your desire to help, your desire to be there. And so, Father God, I bless them today. Lord, I just believe and receive that, that your favor and your face will shine on each one. Lord, let there be something happen this week where they'll be able to point at, God, that was your love for me. That was your grace for me. That You gave me favor in that situation. And Lord, that as we gather next week, we will just all be able to share with one another how your love and how your hand has been at work in each one of our lives. We give you all the praise and the glory for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. If there's anybody that needs prayer, you can gather by the door, and there'll be people to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Be blessed.